I'm confident you've heard about the can't-miss prospect who did and never made it. The exciting free agent that didn't pan out. The team dynasty sure to come but didn't arrive. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Throughout the history of Major League Baseball, there have been many predictions that appeared solid. Many evaluations that seem to be spot on. But they have failed. And we have more ability now to use data and analytics than ever before. And that does, in some areas, decrease the occurrences of such things. But we still see failure in these areas. We always will. The best baseball minds, the best talent evaluators, scouts and and the like, the most gifted even in discerning algorithms can only do so much. This game is played by human beings. And it's human beings who seek to predict the future of this game, the future of those who are involved in it. And all of this has to be done. It's necessary. It's necessary when deciding who to pick in the first round of the draft, what player to trade for or trade away, how to construct a roster, how to function in-game, and a lot of things. However, the wise man, we are taught in James, always says, even as it regards baseball, This or that will happen, Lord willing. Now, I'm betting that all involved in making decisions in Major League Baseball, and just as a reminder, when I speak of Major League Baseball, I'm talking about each of the organizations, the entity, which includes not only the Major League team, but the whole organization all the way down to uh, the, the complex leagues in Arizona and Florida. But I'm sure that those who make decisions from players to owners, would love to have the kind of certainty in the baseball realm that Christians do regarding the resurrection of Christ Jesus. His resurrection was guaranteed before our Savior became incarnate, before he was nailed to the cross. It was guaranteed as he was crucified, dead, and buried. His resurrection on the third day was certain to happen according to the Scriptures. And we also know that all who are in Christ are guaranteed of the resurrection of our body to live eternally, body and soul, with joy inexpressible in the new heavens and earth. That's guaranteed. I say all that to say, I hope you enjoyed the festival of the resurrection yesterday. Our day was filled with just tremendous joy. Worship, fellowship, feasting, football. It was a great day. I hope yours was as well. Now, there are many Christians in the game of baseball at all levels, and they have this certain hope, this confident expectation that cannot fail because the person and work of Christ cannot fail. But even the most sanctified believers in the game take a gamble on a regular basis as regards the decisions they make about the game they love. And again, this goes from players to front office to managers to scouts, the whole thing. Now, one team that for many years now has shown the ability to do this well 
is the organization, I should say the organization, the Tampa Bay Rays. They have demonstrated the ability to make these kinds of decisions and to be right more often than they're wrong, at least from what we can tell. And so far in the 2023 season, it is really coming to fruition in what we're watching. Tampa Bay is currently 9-0. and They are undefeated. One of the best starts in baseball history as it regards the record. But they have won each of their nine games by at least four runs. They have outscored their opponents so far in this season 75-18. to That is remarkable. And again, this is an organization that through the years has demonstrated the ability to make these decisions, to make predictions, to take gambles, if you will, and have been right, it appears, far more often than they have been wrong. Another organization, the Detroit Tigers, gambled on this man back in 2008 when they traded for him and then gave him a massive contract extension. Base hit to center. Cabrera and the Tigers answer right back. 3-1 Detroit. How cool is that, huh? His last opening day in Detroit, and he delivers an RBI. Really special. I mean, listen to this crowd right now. Remember, he's the he was the player who drove in the first run of the season for Detroit in Tampa. Rather poetic. It's amazing what baseball can bring for you. It is amazing what baseball can bring for you. And as I mentioned last week or the week before, it is because God is writing the story, even in the game of baseball. And that was Miggy's first hit in his last opener at Comerica, and it was off Chris Sale. Now, many are going to argue, at least some, eh, probably many, that the eight-year, $248 million extension that the Tigers gave Miguel Cabrera back in 2016 was a gamble that didn't really pay off. But I think all, or almost all, will agree that the Tigers made a very good decision back in 2008 when they acquired the future Hall of Famer, and we get to enjoy his final season with the Tigers. Back when Miggy signed 15 years ago with the Tigers, he had a teammate on that team who's also going to be a Hall of Famer. And this former teammate signed a contract this past December for two years just shy of $87 million. And the New York Mets gambled on a 40-year-old pitcher who had Tommy John surgery at 37 years of age. And so far, Justin Verlander has yet to throw a pitch for the Mets. Now, his elbow was fine. That's not the issue. His shoulder has been the issue. But he believes that a return for him to the mound for the Mets is very reasonable to take place before this month is out. Here's what he had to say about his injury. Progressing well. I feel like I really turned a corner a couple days ago to... Uh, kind of general soreness that I was having is, is really dissipating quickly, you know, so just kind of you know, all positive signs, just waiting for that to really completely go away before I step on the gas. But I've able to, I've been able to keep throwing and also increase my intensity of throwing up to like 75%. So I'm um, just kind of hovering at that level. I mean, I can't give you an exact date, but I feel like I'm really close to being able to, you know, take the leash off and, and start getting after it and build up. And thankfully, being able to continue to throw, hopefully that build up is not that long, um, you know, as opposed to being shut down for a couple weeks, keeping the shoulder moving and being able to, to stay at that threshold is, is a big benefit in these situations. Now, in the preseason, MLB Network's rankings of pitcher had Justin Verlander, I should say pitchers, Justin Verlander ranked number two behind Corbin Burns of the Brewers. 
Mets fans hope that that prediction is right, and also that Justin Verlander's prediction that he should be back on the mound, or I should say on the mound for the first time for the Mets, by the time this month is out. Now, what got me started thinking about all this concept of gambles, that is, risks taken either by players or teams, or both, was an injury that I read about early last week. And that was an injury to Aaron Ashby. Actually, I knew about the injury before that. We all did if we were paying attention. But we found out early last week that it was going to require surgery. Now, Aaron Ashby is a player that I am familiar with. He was drafted in 2018. He was a fourth-round pick by the Brewers. And so I got to see him his first two years in professional baseball. In 2018, where he split the season between Helena and Appleton, which would be rookie ball and uh, low A ball, and then 2019 when he split it between Appleton and Carolina, low A and high A. And just as a side, those are actually switched now. Appleton is now the high A team for the Brewers, Carolina the low A team. But I got to see Aaron Ashby pitch, and he is a very good pitcher, and he's a fine young man. I enjoyed my time around him. Well, you may not remember this unless you're a Brewers fan, but last summer he had not had much big league experience, but because of the quality of human being he is, as well as his ability to pitch, even though he had very little service time, last summer he signed a contract for $20.5 million, which ran through 2027. And this was a risk or a gamble that both the Brewers as an organization were willing to make and take, as was Aaron. Both thought it was a good gamble. Well now, let me go back to last year. He made only three starts after signing that extension. And then his season came to an end because of the shoulder injury. He didn't know then, and they didn't know until last week, that he would have to undergo surgery for that shoulder. He did so on Friday. He had a torn labrum. He's going to miss an extended period of time, likely all of 2023. And shoulder injuries are always more touchy, I guess I should say, than elbow injuries. But getting back to the point, the Brewers said, we're going to take a gamble. This guy has not pitched much in the big leagues. We're going to take a gamble, and we're going to sign him to this contract extension. We're going to buy out some of his arbitration-eligible years. Aaron Ashby, on the other hand, said, you know, I could dominate for two or three years and have a huge arbitration win, but I'm going to take the gamble. I'm going to take the money. I'm going to take that risk. Maybe I will. Maybe I will dominate and I'm going to leave money on the table at the beginning of things, but how do you turn down $20.5 million as a, I think he's 24-year-old man? I know I couldn't. I think in this case, both made a uh, took a risk that was worthwhile. Now, we're going to have to wait and see if that risk ends up being worthwhile for both sides, whether Aaron Ashby comes back with a vengeance, and then the Brewers get out ahead, if you will, or if Aaron Ashby struggles because of the shoulder injury, and he ends up, if you will, winning the risk. Now, ultimately, for me, knowing the young man, I want him to do well, regardless if it pays off or not. I want him to get back into action. So I hope that his rehab goes well, and I hope he is able to come back strong and be the kind of pitcher that the Brewers and many others, myself included, anticipated him being. Now, up to this point, I've been using the word gamble or the phrase take a gamble or whatever you want to say in a particular way. 
And I've been using it to talk about making decisions, life decisions, in this case, in the game of baseball. And you do so knowing that they may never pan out. In other words, it's a risky action or a risky decision. And you make that decision or you take that action in hope of success. In hope of this decision or this action will lead to success or will be beneficial down the road. And I think this is absolutely necessary in the game of baseball, both for players, front office owners, you name it. And it's essential in life. We mentioned, or I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, about not being one who's inclined to safetyism. And that's an understatement. I'm against it. But I've been discussing that gambling or taking a gamble in that way. I've not been discussing actual gambling in baseball. And as I thought about it, and and it's gone through my mind many times, I've not addressed this very serious problem in my past episodes. And it is a serious problem. Now, I'm talking here now about gambling, not using it kind of to talk about making decisions based upon risk, but true gambling, Las Vegas gambling, or now it's outside of Las Vegas, it's everywhere. And it is a problem. It's a problem because I think it's a moral evil. It's wrong. It's a problem because it does damage to individuals, to communities. I believe it's a problem because it is and will continue, and probably increasingly so, to do damage to the game of baseball. Now, a former major leaguer who's about my age, so we're contemporaries, though we never played against each other. He was in the American League. I was in the National League. Jeff Fry tweeted this out just this past week. At MLB Baseball has sold its soul to the gambling entities under the direction of Rob Manfred. Notice on the MLB app how the win probability changes throughout the game. That's not for real fans. We always think... Your team can come back. We don't care what the odds are. Now, he wrote that, that, and he's been writing or tweeting out some things recently about gambling, and I agree with him that MLB has sold its soul in order to reap the financial benefit of this gambling industry and now the gambling that is taking place on Major League Baseball games legally all over the place. Now, for weeks before... I actually came across two tweets. One was probably a month ago. One was maybe two weeks ago by two Hall of Famers. The first one I saw was by Rod Carew. And he was answering this question. What are your thoughts on sports gambling? And the Hall of Famer, Rod Carew, wrote this. It has gone too far and it's hypocritical. And up to that point, I would agree. It is hypocritical. But then he adds... How can you keep Pete Rose out and have a sports book at the Reds' stadium? One Hall of Famer raised that question. Another Hall of Famer, Ferguson Jenkins, after MLB itself posted the betting odds for the 2023 World Series winner and had this caption, May the odds uh, be ever in your favor. And then odds via at bet MGM. And so Ferguson Jenkins responded to that by saying, maybe now we can reinstate Pete Rose because he belongs in the Hall of Fame. In past episodes, as a matter of fact, I think in one of the earliest episodes of In the Bullpen, I gave my view on Pete Rose and the Hall of Fame. Now, you may not have heard that or you may not remember that, so I will give it again. But first, 
Cincinnati and a worldwide television audience watching these moments tonight here at Riverfront Stadium. 2-1 pitch from Schaub. So you heard some of the details in that clip, but in case you missed them and in case you weren't alive and you didn't witness that, that took place on September 11th, 1985 at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati versus the Padres. Eric Shaw was the pitcher. That was hit number 4,192, which put Pete Rose first in all-time hits in Major League Baseball, surpassing Ty Cobb. Pete Rose retired with 4,256 hits. Now, my view about the Hall of Fame and my view about the tweets by Carew and Jenkins is this. First of all, I do think Major League Baseball is being hypocritical. I do believe they are being they are doing something detrimental to people, including their fans, as well as to the game. They're not necessarily being hypocritical as it regards Pete Rose in the fact that now where the Reds play, there's a sports book there, and now we've got these odds being promoted and, and gambling being promoted by Major League Baseball. And, and the reason I don't think they're necessarily being hypocritical is because to say now we approve of something in this way is not to take back what was going on when Pete Rose did gamble on baseball, did gamble on his own team's games. Now remember, from what we know, that took place as a manager, never as a player. But that being said, I mentioned before, my first year in professional baseball was 1987. And every clubhouse I walked into from Everett, Washington, my first year, to the major league clubhouses that I went into had two big postings from the rule book. One had to do with not assaulting umpires. The other had to do with not betting on baseball. I don't know how long those have been posted in clubhouses, but I would guess they were probably posted in clubhouses from the day that Pete Rose walked in to a professional clubhouse back in the 60s. And so he did something in which he was thoroughly aware of the consequences. Lifetime suspension or banning from Major League Baseball if you bet on a game that you are involved with. So in that sense, I don't think Major League Baseball is necessarily being hypocritical. That said, I do believe Pete Rose has, if you will, served his time, and I believe he ought to be eligible to enter into baseball's Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I was... I would never bet on any person at any upper level of baseball. Let's say high school, college, minor leagues, major leagues, foreign leagues. I wouldn't even bet on Shohei Otani throwing a no-hitter and hitting for the cycle in the same game. Think about that. 
But it happened last week. It happened by a left-handed pitcher who also hits left-handed, Brady Ware. He plays for the University of Indianapolis. This is a Division II school. And last week, they played against Drury. And in the game, he went 4-for-4 four four with 5 RBI and pitched 7 no-hit innings with 11 strikeouts. That is absolutely remarkable. And don't give me the fact it's Division II, it's only a 7-inning game, all of that. I get it. Nonetheless, this is a absolutely remarkable feat by Brady Ware. If I was a betting man, I might wager, I might wager that a team could be no hit and win because it's happened. It's not unprecedented. I would never think to wager on a team being no hit and winning, scoring seven runs. And get this, scoring seven runs in the top of the seventh inning, which was the final inning because it was the first game of a doubleheader. But Saturday, the Chattanooga, Chattanooga Lookouts, a Reds affiliate at the AA level, were playing at the Rocket City Trash Pandas, quite a name there, the Angels affiliate at AA. And they were losing and being no hit, going into the top of the seventh, being a doubleheader, the final inning, 5 nothing. And they win that game 7-5. to five. They score seven runs in the top of the seventh without a hit. They get no hit and win the game 7-5, to five, scoring all of their runs in the final inning. And it was the result of a whole bunch of walks, a very crucial error, hit by pitches, and a wild pitch. <laughs> it's just absolutely remarkable. Now, if I was a betting man... I would have bet, I would have thought by now that somebody from somewhere would have sent me at least one name or one post of any person at any position at any level in professional baseball that has publicly denounced the wickedness of abortion. I put out the call on social media well over a month ago, and I did so on this podcast, uh, I'm going to say maybe two to three weeks ago. And so far, all I have gotten in response are crickets. I've been waiting for somebody, somebody publicly to declare the evil of tearing children limb from limb from their mother's womb, in their mother's womb. Now, you might be thinking, Mark, give it a rest, crying out loud already. How often are you going to talk about that? Okay, I'm a reasonable person. I'll I'll set that aside for a moment. How about this? How about any player, or not even a player, any person at any level in professional baseball denouncing the mutilating of children outside the womb? Or how about having mutilated adults sexually abusing children? And I'm even willing to take baby steps. How about somebody denouncing men playing and participating in women's sports? I open this podcast by discussing the certainty of the resurrection, of Christ's resurrection, which is past, and the resurrection of all who are in Christ, which is future. And of course, the chapter about the, about the resurrection was written by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. And here are the final words of that chapter. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I know there are Christians in the game of baseball, 
in various positions at every single level. My question is, do they not believe this text? Do they think such labor would be in vain? Or are they afraid? Afraid that such an action is too risky and may cost them too much? Are they willing to take a gamble? Gamble that Christ doesn't expect them to speak up and speak out about such abominations. I'll say this. That's not a gamble I'm willing to take. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.